Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome uh, again uh, to Greater Alton Church. And my name is Tim, and it's Merry Christmas to everybody. It's good to be with you. It's, in fact, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, we're in a series called A Home for the Holidays. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the kind of family Jesus had. When you stop and think about it, out of all the families on the earth, God would choose the home of Mary and Joseph uh, to raise uh, His Son. And His choice wasn't based on you know the kind of things that we look at. I mean, He didn't base it on whether or not how popular they were. They weren't that popular. In fact, they were an ordinary family. Uh, or whether or not they had money. That wasn't a concern of God. And by the way, Joseph and Mary were poor. It wasn't even concerned about how perfect they were. Uh, no family is perfect, and this family sure wasn't perfect either. Now, he did, this, these kind of things didn't matter to God, and you wonder why they didn't matter. Well, the, it's because the things that uh, we look at, the car, the house, the money, the clothes, the education, uh, all these things, uh, the status, these are the things that are not on the mind of God. And it's because he doesn't believe these things. Apparently, he didn't believe that these things uh, guaranteed or ensured that a family would have the kind of environment to raise his son. Now, when God was looking for a family to raise his son, um, he was looking somewhere else. He was looking at something, something else. He was looking at their hearts. And this isn't new to God. This is how God looks at things. When, when, uh, Samuel was out in 1 Samuel. He, there's a passage where he was looking for the next king of Israel. And um, as he went through the sons of Jesse, God uh, stops him because Samuel's a little confused. He can't figure out why God isn't choosing some of these uh, sons of Jesse. I mean, they look right. They have all the outward appearance of, of a king. And this is what God says to Samuel to help him understand his choice. He says, God does not see the same way people see. People look at the outside of a person, but God looks at the heart. And that's exactly what God does. He looks at the character. And he was looking for character when he was looking for a family. He was looking for things like integrity and commitment. He was looking for uh, obedience, humility, submission, gratitude. And these are found in the heart of a person. These are not just actions. And what he finds when he starts looking at families, he sees this in the hearts of Joseph and Mary. And it's this home, this home, uh, this heart, uh, this kind of heart that God would create an environment uh, or they would create an environment that would raise God's son to do what he was born to do. In fact, uh, Paul reminds the Christians, the Jewish Christians in the book of Galatia, in Galatia 4, Galatians 4, he says this, when the right time came, in other words, when he figured out when the right time or in the first Christmas, when he found this family, it says, God sent his son who was born from a woman. He says, I'm going to choose this family. And I'm bringing, I'm, through this family, I'm going to bring my son into this world. And it says, God did this so that he could buy the freedom of those who were under the law. God's purpose was to make us his children. Isn't that interesting? What God's saying here, he said, you know, Paul's reminding the Christian, you know, Jesus came. Into a through a family, from God's family, so you and I could be a part of that family too. And so uh, we see that. We were reminded every Christmas about this family you see behind me, this first family, this family Christmas, was how Jesus came. 
And so today what I want to do is I want to continue by looking, we looked at Joseph last time, we looked at the passion and the obedience of Joseph, and this week I want us to continue this idea of what kind of family raises Jesus in their home? What kind of family promotes Jesus? And what kind of family not only raises a, a man like Jesus, but also would raise two other figures that we find in the Bible? James, who wrote the book of James, who was a leader in the early church, and Jude, who also wrote the book of Jude. What kind of family does this? What do they bring? What do they contribute into the family to create people like this? And um, what I wanted today is talk about is looking at uh, Mary. What, what does she bring? And see, any of us can learn from Mary. Anybody can. You don't have to be just a woman to learn from this, this special woman. You can be a man or you can be single or you can be a child. There's things about Mary's heart that you want to catch from her if you want to raise Jesus in your family. Now here we're going to look at right now is, is a passage found in Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 26. And uh, we're going to hear about, about Mary for the first time. The Bible talks about her. It says, During Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. But Mary was very startled by what uh, the angel said and wondered what the greeting might mean. And she's startled. She's caught off guard. She's surprised. Uh, greatly troubled would be another way to say that. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you His grace. Listen to this, he says. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor, and, his, and he, he will rule over the people of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and in the power of the Most High will cover you. For this reason, the baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now Elizabeth, your relative, is also pregnant with a son, though she is very old. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she's been pregnant for six months. God can do anything. What a marvelous phrase there. It's not impossible for God. What, I'm, what, what God is going to do with you, Mary, is not impossible. What a positive thing to hear. And that's a good, it's a good message from Christmas when you stop and think about it. God can do anything. That's what Christmas proves. Mary said, look at her response. I am the servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me as you say. Then the angel went away. And we find out later that Mary would go to Elizabeth's house, stay there for the duration of her pregnancy, and then uh, she would find Joseph, and the rest of the story would, would, be, uh, would be told. Now, what do we know about Mary? Well, we know she's a young woman. She's never been married. She's a virgin. Some scholars believe she's as young as 15. But she's a young woman, and look at the kind of heart she has. You know, it's never too early to start developing a heart for God. And Mary encourages us, you know, and she, she also shows us that her family encouraged her and helped her and developed her into the woman that she is. 
and and she's is she is she special in some way? You know, Mary never never uh, makes anything any statements about her being uh, being uh, having any deity. Uh, she even, in fact uh, says she's not very important. She calls herself a servant. She doesn't want to be um, lifted up higher than so high that we can't identify with her. In other words, no, she sees herself as just a servant, as a humble servant. And she's ordinary. Her name is an ordinary name. A lot of women bore the name Mary at her time. But notice she's also godly and she's pure. She's sexually pure. In a time, in our time, when sexual purity is looked at as kind of strange, what's wrong with you? This is something Mary wanted to be. And she was godly and she was sexually pure. She saved herself for her husband. And she knows the word of God. We're going to find out. She's she knows the story. She knows the story of Abraham. She knows the story of Israel. And she remembers that. And she's been taught these values and taught these things. And she doesn't forget them. And we also notice about Mary is that, she's, that God is a part of her life every day. She's not startled and surprised by God speaking to her. That's not what startles her. No, what startles her is what, what's being said to her. And so she's... Got, she's, she's uh, just a, a typical woman that you and I can really identify with. And one of the great thing is she's chosen by God. You know, God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And if you say, ah, I'm a nobody, I'm just a regular common Joe, let me tell you something, that you're, you're perfect for God's selection. I want you to know this morning, God has chosen you. Just like he chose Mary and chose Mary's family, chose uh, their family to bring Jesus and to raise Jesus in their home. God has chosen you and your family to raise Jesus as well. So what can we learn from this woman? As we continue, like we started with Joseph last week, as to what does it take to raise, what do we learn from, from these people, the kind of hearts that raise Jesus in the home, um, what can we learn from Mary? Well, I, I, here's what I've learned. Here's a couple of things I've noticed I want to pass on to you when I read the Christmas story. And that is, I raised Jesus in my home, first of all, when the rest of my family knows I listen to God. When the rest of my family expects me to listen to God. When the rest of my family, they see, they, they, it's obvious that I listen to God. In other words, I have that reputation for wanting to hear from God. Let me ask you, who has your ear? Who is the one you listen to the most? I mean, you stop and think about that. Who's the person that you hear from the most, that you lean in and listen to the most? Who has your ear? I think about families in the Bible. I think about Abraham and Joseph. Uh, I think about the family of Moses, the family of Joshua. I think about the, the, even the family of Adam and Eve. You think about one of the things that you see involved is the voice of God is being heard in all of them. And what happens? when they get away from hearing the word, uh, the word of God, the voice of God, or they get away, uh, they disobey the voice of God, they get in trouble, don't they? You know, it's very obvious in Abraham's family who Abraham listens to. It's very obvious in Moses' family who he listens to more than anyone else. He doesn't even listen to them, even the, the, gut, the gut feelings they have, or they listen to the, the, the stuff inside them. They don't even listen to themselves as much as they want to listen to God. You know, even David would say in the Psalms, he'd say things like, God, tell me what to do. 
And you'd have Moses coming up, Lord, what do I do with these people? I need to hear from you. I need to hear what you need me to do. It's obvious. And, and, the, and uh, their families, they knew that God got the first word, not the last word, the first word and the last word. You know, your family knows the voice you listen to. Your mom and dad know who you really listen to. Your kids know who you listen to. Your grandchildren, they know who you really listen to, what matters to you, what words matter to you. Is, is, is God somebody you want to listen to? Is your family see that you're eager to hear what God has to say? You see, it's really clear. It's clear that God has Mary's ear, that she's interested in hearing God's voice, that she wants to hear God's voice. In fact, she's just like, uh, like so many people she, in the Bible that, that are blessed by God. She leans in and she wants to know. Let's look at this a little bit more again. Let's look at Luke 1 as well. It says, uh, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. And notice it says Mary is very startled. She's troubled by this. She's confused by this. She's perplexed is another word. It's not that an angel has appeared before. She knows that angels will appear. She knows God could speak to her at any moment. She lives in a heritage of that. No, it's what's being said. And what's being said to her, it says, says, don't be afraid. He says, Mary, you've been blessed and the Lord is with you. And she's trying to figure out what does this mean? Because, because she has never heard this statement said to her before. It's unheard of in Jewish culture for a man to say to a woman these words. You know, men might greet, a man might greet another man with these words, but you never heard a woman being addressed like this. And so Mary has never heard this before, and she is startled by that. Because goes, what's that mean? This is, this is amazing to me. And the angel goes on to explain that you're going to give birth to the son. And all these things that your son's going to be, look how blessed he's going to be. He's going to be called the, the, the Lord's son, the God of, uh, of the Most High. He's going to be, not only that, he goes on to say that he'll, he'll give him the throne of David and he'll rule God's people and his kingdom will never never end. I mean, that's amazing stuff. And it's, it's funny, Mary doesn't back off. She doesn't, she doesn't run from it. She actually is asking some questions. She goes, wait a second. How's that going to happen? She's so curious. Tell me how it's going to happen. She, like she wants it to happen. And, 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 and uh, you know, sometimes God will talk to you and I. He'll say something in his word that will perplex us. And we'll go, why you, that? I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know God said that. How is that going to work? And, and God isn't afraid of our questions. In fact, he'll answer many of our questions. But Mary's, Mary is so excited about hear from God. And she's kind of like David here. She's interested in the plans and the will of God in her life. Look here in Psalms 85, it says, what David says, I want to hear what God the Lord says. Let me ask you a question. Is that your desire? It's Mary's. And it's obvious. She's established this desire early before she even has a family. And so, and she continues to have this very attitude even after Jesus is born. When the shepherds come and find him in the manger, and the Bible says the shepherds told Joseph and Mary all that they'd heard from the angel, the Bible says Mary treasured these in her heart. She was interested and she treasured, appreciated what, 
was being said from heaven about her son. When uh, they go to the temple and there's Anna and Simeon and they begin to tell uh, Mary and Joseph what's go- what, how much they are excited they are and what this, this baby, this son is going to, eight days now after Christmas, what this son is going to do, the Bible says Mary pondered these things and treasured them in her heart. And when you have wise men come, the wise men come and they, and they come to their house around maybe two years later, close to, or he's a little boy by now, or a little toddler, and, and they say, uh, uh, here's some frankincense, here's some gold, here's some myrrh. We, we realize we've gotten the impression from God, these things, and we want to give you these gifts. We want to give this son these gifts, this frankincense, which is what? Incense that's offered to God. What, they, what are they saying to Mary? Your son's going to be an offering. And she kind of knows this already. She, she knows the, the prophecies in Isaiah. She knows the prophecies about, about Jesus. And she knows that that's Messiah. I mean, think about this. I mean, all Jewish girls, by the way, at this time, Jewish, ever since Isaiah was prophesied and they talked about the Messiah coming, every Jewish little girl would, would long to wonder if it's going to be me that's going to bring the Messiah into the world. And Mary's the one that's getting it. And here's this, here's these wise men saying, here's some incense. And what is she learning from this? Yeah, the Messiah is going to be a fragrant offering to God. Yeah. And here's some gold. Yeah, to get you through some things. But this is how valuable what God is doing here. You give gold to a king and he is a king. And she's like, yeah, that's right. He is a king. He is going to reign. He takes David's throne. He'll reign forever. She's reminded of that. And then here's some myrrh. What's this? Uh, you use this to prepare somebody to die. And so she's getting these lessons, hearing these messages constantly from heaven through people, through what she knows in the scriptures, telling her, urging her to remember, you know, this is what's going on. And you know, I can imagine her remembering at the foot of the cross when she hears Jesus Christ say to her, Mom, this is your son. And John, this is your mom. And he's going to take care of you. And, and her realizing those things she treasured in her heart, now she's going, mm, this is happening. This is really happening. And she has this just awareness of the, of the purpose of God, awareness of the will of God. And, and I just want to ask you, you know, do you have this desire to listen to God? Because he's going to constantly be talking to you. Yeah, you, you say, I don't hear God ever, God. Are you kidding me? I hear God all the time when I read my Bible. And sometimes I hear God through, through the Holy Spirit speaking to me, urging me. But, but I, I, I really can hear him when I read the Word of God speaking into, your, into my life. Are you eager to hear what God has to say to you? Because he has lots to say, especially on Christmas. And you know, and the power of this is when you listen to God, when you start listening to God, I notice Mary doesn't freak out. She asks a question, but she's not crazy. She's not losing her mind. She's got, but it brings, when you listen to God, God, listening to God promises to bring peace and security in your life. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 1. All who listen to me, God's speaking here, all who listen to me shall live in peace and safety, unafraid. And you see this in Mary, this calmness, this security. Let me ask you something. Do you think that affected her family? How do you think being calm and confident and hope in God would affect the rest of your family if you carried that? Well, it begins by listening to God.
See, families that listen to God experience challenges like anybody else. We go through highs and lows like any other family. But because we listen to God, we find a steadiness. We find security and we find confidence. This is so important that we really need to pass this on to the rest of our family. Here in Proverbs 2, it says this, So train your heart to listen when I speak. Then pass it on to your sons and daughters. Pass on my will, but pass on this attitude, this heart, this listening heart. Let me ask you, are people catching that from you and your family? Because I tell you, when you begin to have this in your heart, it, 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 it does wonders for the rest of your family. It's, it's so encouraging. Here's number two. I raised Jesus up. I learned from Mary. I raised Jesus up in, uh, in my home when the rest of my family sees me trusting God. You know, the acid test is action. I can feel something. I can have good intentions. I can say, I'm going to do this. But when I start really trusting God and, 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 and believing in God and trusting in God, we, we kind of separate them, but they really are the same thing. When you believe in God, you trust God. And if, if you hear somebody say, well, I believe in God, well, ask them, are you trusting God? Because that's what faith really is. It's having this belief in God to where you'll trust in Him. And look, how, look at the, we see this in Mary's words. In, in Luke 1, 48, as she's praising God, she says, the Lord has looked on me. This is what she believes. The Lord has looked on me, His servant girl. She sees herself as an obedient servant. She sees herself as somebody with her actions trusting the Lord. It says the one who's not important. You know, Mary, Mary doesn't see herself as, again, as so important that everybody should bow and, and, and uh, pray to her in that sense. No, she's, she, she doesn't even promote herself that way. Man has done that. Mary doesn't do that. She sees herself as just a servant. She doesn't see herself as better than others. And I'll tell you what, if anybody had a reason to see herself as better than others, Mary would have. And if given the chance, you would think she would say, hey, God spoke to me. You need to listen to what I got to say. But she, she's humbled by it. She's humbled by it. She surrenders because of it. She surrenders herself to God. And she confesses to the Lord I'm your servant. She sees herself as a servant. Again, there in Luke 1, 38, Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord, and I love this. Talk about, here's a statement of trust. Let this happen to me as you, as you say. Whatever you're going to say, let it happen. Aren't you glad Mary gave in to God and obeyed? Aren't you glad he sur- that she surrendered, that she trusted the Lord? I mean, we wouldn't benefit from this. We would not benefit from this if, if Mary hadn't said, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And tell me, and, and, and we see this from Mary, that when I trust the Lord, it just has, it, it blesses the generations that follow. In a couple of weeks, I want us to talk about the kind of people we surround ourselves with that raise Jesus up, that families raise Jesus up with, because we need help from other people. And I just think about how You know, in my own life, my grandmother and my mother and my wife have had a profound impact on my life. It was their faith that encouraged my faith. And I just think about how by trusting, I saw in all three of these women moments where when push come to shove, they trusted the Lord. And it encouraged me as a young man 
to trust the Lord as well. Now, trusting God isn't easy. I mean, Mary has some questions. But she says, let it happen. And, and by the way, when she says, let it happen, she knows what's coming. She's smart enough, and she realizes, if, I, if, I, if, if what God is saying is going to happen, and I'm agreeing to it, then there's going to be some blessings, and there's going to be some moments of burden that I'm going to, to uh, experience. She knows if she, if she says, whatever, let it happen to me, God may understand what's going on, Mary may understand what's going on, and Joseph may understand what's going on, but the rest of the world may ridicule her all her life. Wait a minute. She's claiming that God got her pregnant? She's crazy. Wait a minute. Who's the dad of Jesus? Joseph isn't the real father. She knew she would hear this. You knew she would hear this. She knew that sometimes trusting God would put her in peril. After all, she would have to move, pack up and move. In the middle of the night, she'd have to pack up and get out of town. And there would be times when she would see Jesus do things that would be so exciting. Watching turn water, you know, into wine, feed the, feed the hungry, resurrect the dead. It's my boy doing this. Boy, it's just like God said. And she'd also see the anguish on the cross, watching her son trust his father like she trusted God to fulfill the will of God. And yet each time, whether it's a great blessing or it's a burden to bear, Mary would decide, I'm going to trust you, Lord, each time. I think that's how it is for us. Each time, we just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. And Elizabeth says these words to Mary when she, when she goes to Elizabeth's house and she goes, wow, you are pregnant. You, I didn't know you were six months. Look at you. You can have a child. This is amazing. God can do the impossible. And Elizabeth says, well, let me tell you something about you, Mary. It says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You say, Mary, you're blessed. You're going to be blessed because you believe. And by the way, that word believe, that Greek word behind it is pistuo. If you want to check it out, it means to trust. She's literally saying, you're going to be so blessed because you trust God to work things out, everything he promises in your life. Now, let's be honest. Life happens. I mean, 2020... <laughs> As it messed things up. Oh my goodness. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what's going to happen next. It's not, the, the year ain't over. Just when you think it, oh, it's, uh, you know, at least we're coming to the end. Uh, it ain't over yet. We still got a few more days of this month. And if 2020's taught us anything about life, that it's full of twists and turns and ups and downs, and, and it, we face a lot of challenges that bring us to a lot of choices. Am I right? And it's these choices that sometimes determine whether or not we're going to be blessed or whether or not we're going to be burdened by what's happening. And see, in the biggest choice you can make, the biggest choice you can make that makes a difference in your home is in those critical moments where you say to yourself and your family sees, I'm going to trust the Lord on this one. I may not understand how it works. I don't have to see everything, everything played out exactly as uh, before I dive in. I'm just going to have to trust the Lord this time. I'm going to trust Him to work things out. 
you know, uh, in the book of Job, you have uh, Job's three friends, and they're they're talking to him, and and you know, a lot of times the friends they get they get so criticized. You know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Uh, sometimes they do. They may have just misapplied it in Job's case. Well, Elihu has something to say about trust to Job. And Job's having a hard time. He's lost about everything. And this is what uh, Elihu says. He says, this is what happens to everyone who forgets God. He's assuming maybe Job has forgotten God. Okay. And he says, the hope of the person without God is will be gone. And that's a true statement. Without God, there's no hope. What he trusts in, a person who forgets God, he goes, what he trusts in is easily broken. And look at he says, it's as easily broken as a spider's web. You know, there's lots of things when you stop and think about it that uh, you can place your trust in that's like a spider's web. They break down. They fail. Maybe money. A lot of people do. They put their trust in money. I've, I have to admit there's been times I've put my, got my security from how much money I have in the bank. And the problem is the bank account's constantly moving. Sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. You can't rely on the stock market. As good as it is right now, you can't rely on the stock market. Maybe sometimes it's popularity you know, or fame. But the problem with popularity and fame is eventually it goes up and down it, some, and it fades away. Uh, the dust will collect on the trophies of life. You can be assured of that. And they end up in the trash. You may have been big shot when you were younger, but you're not so big. It comes and goes. And sometimes maybe we put our trust in other people. And the danger of that is, is that other people are human just like you and I, and they're going to fail us. They're going to let us down. Or even sometimes we'll, put, we'll trust ourselves, we'll trust our gut, and sometimes our gut gets us in a gob of trouble. Let me give you some Proverbs to, that uh, back this up, that, that help us understand this. Here's in Proverbs 11. It says this, Trust in your money and down you go. Trust in God and flourish like a tree. Here's another proverb, Proverbs 28. A man is a fool to trust in himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. You trust God, you're safe. Here's another one. Fear can be a trap but if you trust in the Lord, you'll be safe. I want you to realize something, because there's something I've realized as I've, I've, as I've looked at this life of Mary. I realized that my wife, my children, my grandchildren are watching me. My family's watching me. Some of you, some of you watch me. Your kids watch me. That's uh, humiliating. Sometimes it's, it's humbling to think about that, that people watch you. But everybody's watching you too. I don't want to make you paranoid. I'm just simply saying is our families are watching us. And they're watching, they're looking to see what are we going to do when we're blessed. You know, uh, in my home, it's Tim. I wonder what, Tim, what are you going to do if you're blessed? What are you going to do when something goes wrong? How it's planned. Dad, what are you going to do with that dilemma? You've got to make a choice. I wonder how you're going to choose. Or my grandkids, they call me peepaw and, and prickle pants is what they call me. Uh, 
Oh boy, <laughs> why can't I have a better name? But that's what they call me, okay? And uh, I think they're looking, what's grandpa going to do? What's he going to do with the future? What's he going to do when he's sad? See, our families are watching us. And just like when uh, a child bumps his head and falls down and turns and looks at us to see, are we panicking? Because if we are, they panic. How many times that happened where you just go, you're okay, and they go, okay, it must, no be, must not be a big deal. Kids, spouses, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, grandparents, grandchildren, they're all watching to see our response when something doesn't work out or when something works out great. What will we do? Will we trust the Lord? Will we trust the Lord? I want to tell you this morning, you know, show the rest of your family, whatever you're facing, whatever's happening, that you'll trust the Lord because it's a blessing for them to carry, that they remember your influence as, and they trusted the Lord, I will too. Look at this Bible says here. I think Mary believed this. I, I just you can see Mary probably even thinking of this verse in Proverbs. It says, things work out when you trust in God. I wonder if that's what was going through her mind. I'm going to trust you. I'm your servant. Whatever happens, let it happen. And here's the third thing as we close this lesson. If I want to raise up my family, Mary teaches me this. I raise Jesus. If I raise Jesus in my family, Mary teaches me, I raise Jesus when the rest of my family hears me praise God. What's the dialogue? What's the dialogue in your family? What's it been like the last few weeks, the last several months since March? What's the dialogue? How, what's the communication like in your home? You know, uh, what, what, are, what, are, what are people around me hearing from my lips? You know, Hebrews talks about the fruit of our lips. What kind of fruit? You know, is it good? Are they hearing something encouraging, something positive? Are they hearing something negative and something destructive? Because just like complaining and gossip and backbiting and just being pessimistic chips away at hope and joy in my home. Um, praise, positive things, hopeful statements, joyful statements, turn those, those pessimistic moments, turn those negative moments into something, a little invested. Each word invests a little bit more making, making, making my home stronger my hope stronger in my home, the joy in my home stronger in my home. See, I used to be a bus captain. Years ago when I was a young man and become a Christian, I was a preacher student, I was a bus captain. And then as a youth minister, I also was a bus captain. What's a bus captain, Tim? I know it's probably something you never heard of. But we had a thing called a joy bus. Uh, in another place, we called them gospel chariots. And a bus captain, what he did was he was kind of like in charge of the bus route. He would go visit all the families like on Saturday and see if they were going to be riding on Sunday. And then he would plan the route out and the bus would go and pick all the kids up. And that's what, that's what I did every Saturday. I would go and knock 
knock on the door. How you doing? And it was amazing to me because I'd stop sometimes. And this is what happened often. I'd stop sometimes and I'd be walking up toward the house and uh, I'd hear a commotion. I'd hear something going on. It was loud in there, man. And I, at first I thought maybe it was a religious house because I hear God this and God that and Jesus this and Jesus that. And, oh my goodness. It didn't take long. I realized ah, it's not a religious house. Uh, what's going on in there? And then I'd go, you know, press on the doorbell, ding dong, or I'd knock on the door and immediately all this religious talk, we'll call it, stops. Door would creak open. Yes, can I help you? Hi, I'm Tim and I'm going to find out if your kids are riding the bus. Oh yeah, they'll be there. That would happen a lot. And there'd be times that I also, the opposite would happen. I'd be walked to the door and it'd be nice and quiet or, I, or they would open the door and there'd be some laughter and they were pleasant and kind to talk to, and it was a wonderful family to, uh, to have a conversation with. And I noticed something. The difference between these two families, many times, it come down to praise, especially praising God. Something about expressing and talking about the Lord in a positive way, it just made such a big difference. Why is that? Why is it, you know, why does it make such a big difference? Because it makes a big difference in your home too. Why is that? Well, I've come to realize that praise is positive and it's powerful. So powerful. I found this verse a few years ago. It's in Psalms chapter 8 verse 2 in the message. And listen to this. It says, nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. This is what David says. He says, a, a baby coos about you, Lord. A toddler shouts the songs that drown out. Look what it does. It drowns out the enemy talk and silences the atheist babble. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? You say, what's he talking about there? Well, have you ever been like in a room full of parents, maybe at a party or at a gathering, and they're all talking, and then they, you hear a kid cry or scream, and immediately everybody stops? And a parent goes, oh, that's mine. They have the power, a child, a voice. You know, they can cry and bam, everybody's jumping up. Here, do you want this? you want that? Well, there's something about a child cooing. And David says, when a child gurgles, when he coos, a baby's coo- just cooing, it's, it's singing like singing a song of praise. When a, have you ever seen a little kid? I know some of the, we're doing uh, live uh, broadcasts for the kids' ministry at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning now. We've been doing them here lately and having a blast. We're right now looking at Christmas, and uh, I think tomorrow we're looking at lights tomorrow. And we're singing songs, Stand up and shout it if you love my Jesus, you know, or Jesus love just a bubble. So now we're singing those songs and our old songs. And I hear parents are texting me saying, Oh, you can't believe it. My son's running around going, you know, stand up and shout it if you love my Jesus. And I'm just so exciting. It's why? It's so positive. It's so positive. And don't you need something positive? I need it. And there's just something about praise that just does that to us. It promotes such a positive atmosphere in our home. And it's contagious. It's contagious. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, let me tell you what I mean by that. You know, I'll be in a conversation with my brother Danny. And, you know, I get all, I get all worked about something. I can't believe this happened, blah, 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 blah. Can you believe this? Blah, blah, blah. And he'll go, yeah, well, 
and Danny's he's always got a bright side. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think you know that's that's going to happen, Tim. And aren't you glad God just take care of us on this? And and just turns my my pessimism, and I'm going, man, you're ruining my my moment. I'm wanting to complain. I'm wanting to have a pity party, and now you've ruined it by being positive. And that's the power of of being of praising God, bringing God into the focus, giving God credit, or giving God worship and magnifying Him, bringing Him into the picture. When we do that, it just turns the, po- uh, the negative into a positive. And um, that's what Mary does. She is full of praise for God. I mean, look how she praises God here in Luke, uh, in the book of Luke here, chapter 1. Verse 46, Mary said, My soul praises the Lord's greatness. This is, she breaks out in song at Elizabeth's house. Well, how great God is. Nobody says, oh, stop that. Oh, anything else? More. Tell me more. Oh, my spirit finds joy in God my Savior. Now think about the things. There's always something to praise God for. This woman is pregnant without a dad. She's going to go through the ringer. And she says, I just praise God because He has looked favorably on me. Uh, Mary, God's going to, you're going to be moving around a lot. You're going to be ridiculed a lot. God's, this is part of God's plan. Yeah, and that's favor as far as I'm concerned. He loves me and His care and His favor... He shows he's favorably on me, his humble servant. I am going to serve him, Tim. From now on, look at this. From now on. Here's how positive she is about the future. From now on, all people will call me blessed because the Almighty has done great things to me. People are going to go, you know, Mary's went through it, but look how God has blessed her. I want people to say that about me. How about you? Sure. Because the Almighty has done great things to me. His name is holy. In other words, he's, he's more important than anything else in the world. For those who fear Him, His mercy lasts throughout every generation. Man, if you, you honor the Lord, He'll take care of your family. It permeates through generation after generation. He displayed His mighty power. He scatters those who think too highly of themselves. You know, King Herod, ain't gonna, I ain't got to worry about King Herod. God will take care of him. I don't have to worry about no Pharaoh in Egypt. God will take care of him. I don't have to worry about no Roman, Roman emperor that's going to run me out of town or, or uh, crucify my son because God has got more power than that. He can overthrow them anytime he wills and he wants to. He's put, look at it. He pulled strong rulers from their thrones. He, see, Mary knows the story of Israel. He knows about the kings. He knows about... Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, a Persian king, Cyrus. He knows about all these people. He knows about the the story, the stories in the Old Testament where God brought down kings, that He rules the nations. He honored humble people, and He knows that God doesn't forget people who humble themselves. That are nobodies, that are ordinary. He lifts them up. He fed the hungry people with good food. He meets needs. He sent the rich away with nothing. He's just. He remembered to help his servant Israel forever. He never forgets you. This is the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham 
and descendant and his descendants. Yeah, no wonder God wants his son raised in a home like this. He wants someone like this around his son. Wouldn't you that praises God like that? I know sometimes you're saying, you know, Tim, I appreciate this, but I don't feel like praising God sometimes. I me too. Me too. Sometimes things happen and you just don't feel like praising God. I'm going to be doing a funeral here in a couple hours. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be thinking about praising God, but I'm going to try to convince them there's something to praise God about. And sometimes, you know, you may not feel like praising God. And sometimes I don't feel like praising God. But I'll tell you what, you know, following and trusting God, it can't be based on a feeling. It's based on faith. And so sometimes you just pray, you got to praise God because of what you know what you believe, not what you feel. And if you think you've had a tough year, and I want you to know, I know some of you had, some of you lost your job, and some of you, some of you don't know where you're going to make, how you're going to make ends meet. Some of you don't even know, you know, you've lost, or you've, you don't know what's going to happen the next month. And you've lost a loved one. Because of COVID, it's affected your family. It's messed your routine up. It's, it's thrown everything into the air. You know, as I talk to Gary and Alan, and we talk about, you know, our greatest concern is for you, Greater Alton, that you lose your purpose through all this. I got to thinking about, what, what is my goal through all this? Uh, well, it could be, I don't want to get COVID. And so I wear my mask and I stay away and I you know, wash my hands and don't touch. Yeah, okay, is that a bad goal? That's not a bad goal. Or, or I don't want to spread COVID. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay, I don't either. You know, and so we take the measures and take the steps so we, we don't spread COVID. You see where this is going, don't you? Well, if I get COVID, I want to get better. My goal is to get over it. Oh, yeah, I want to get over it. And of course, you know, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll go to the hospital, I'll get tested, I'll, I'll do what they say. And then I, I asked somebody, I said, you know, those are nice goals, but what about honoring God through all this? How can I honor God through all this? Because I'll tell you, there's been a lot of blessings in disguise that COVID has given us. It really has. There is something you can praise God for in this. It depends on what you're looking for. You know, Job had a tough time. We all know Job. He lost his, his, his kids to a disaster. He lost all of his livestock. His business was in the tank. I mean, as soon as one servant comes in and says, this happened and you're ruined, this happened, you're ruined, this happened, you're ruined, and Job is like, oh my gosh. And Job thinks a minute. And let me tell you his response is Job 121. Look it up. When I was born of this world, he says, I was naked and had nothing. He goes, when I die and leave this world, I will be naked and have nothing. Then he says this, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of the Lord. What? Praise the name of the Lord. You know, let me tell you, the world is a negative place right now. Lots of negativity. And I want to tell you, a lot of this negative things, these challenges... I'm reading about how Zoom meetings with, over school is affecting our children and it's, and it's affecting you and I working from home. Some of us are having to work from home. Some of us, you know, it's, it's COVID is just really messing with us. People are, are snapping 
um, COVID fatigue, what people are talking about now. I want you to know your family's affected by all this. They're affected by what you bring home. And the worst thing you could bring home is not a virus, but an attitude. And let me tell you, praise diffuses all this. We can find something to praise God over. It, when you bring praise into your home, it just changes everything, folks. Look what the Bible says here in Philippians 4. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. Paul reminds the church, the church of all people, you have so much to be praising God for every day, all the time. Party. Praise God. Revel. Get crazy about it. You know, again, I want you to know the most, here's what I've learned. The most positive families I've ever met are the families that praise God. Years ago, I was um, going to go to church camp. I was a teenager. I didn't have my driver's license yet, so I still had people that had to drive me. And I, I waited. I couldn't wait. As soon as camp was over, I was planning for the next year. And man, I couldn't wait to go back to church camp. I love church camp. Best thing you ever do, send your kids to church camp. It's a, it's a blessing. And so I just remember getting all excited, thinking about, uh, you know, as it was getting closer. And of course, you know, here it is in the summertime and we put out a crop. We've got a, a, a farm of about 300 acres and uh, we put out beans and corn. And my dad knows I'm excited about camp because I'm constantly talking about it. I think it's getting on his nerves. And he says, look, son, you're not going to be able to go to camp until you uh, get out there and cultivate. You've got to run the cultivator through the corn uh, and the beans, Twice, twice, twice. And I had about two weeks to do this. And I remember getting out there every spare moment I got on the tractor and, and cultivating the weeds out of the corn, between the rows of corn. That's what you did. We had a two-row cultivator, and my dad said, you're going to have to use the two-row cultivator, not the four-row. And so here I am going two rows at a time on this old Alice tractor up and down the fields. And I'm thinking, i got to get this done, i got to get this done. And I worked late at night. You know, get to bed and, uh, of course, you know, get up early and hit it again and hit it again and hit it again. And I got through both. I got it done just the day before camp, and I'm so excited. And I, I'm all packed up, ready to go. Grandma's coming to get me, my grandma. And uh, I walk down steps, and I go, well, Dad, you know, I'm going to camp today. And he goes, you're not going anywhere. I want you to go out and cultivate. I need it done a third time. I said, what? I need it done a third time. And I, get, I go down, get on the tractor, and I start cultivating. My grandmother is hours away from coming to pick me up. And I start cultivating. And I'm crying, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. Why is this happening? You know, God, I've worked hard. All of a sudden, I see my dad's pickup truck coming down the road um, from the house. And behind it is a white Nova. That's my grandmother's car. And they park. Dad gets out. Motions me over, stop the tractor, get in the car, you're going to camp, and I can tell he's not happy. I, I don't like my dad being mad at me. I said, Dad, it's okay. No, no, no. Get in the car. And he cusses and get in the car. Uh, I'll, I'll cultivate it. Somebody's got to get it done. And he, get, he gets on the tractor and he starts driving. And I get in the car with Grandma and we're driving away. 
and I remember looking back and there's dad and he's just, you could see on his face, he's upset and I'm, I'm crying, you know, I'm, I think I'm 13, 14, I don't know. And grandma goes, what are you crying about? Uh, I feel bad. Dad's, you know, dad's mad at me. He goes, you, don't you worry about your dad. He'll get over it. He goes, I'm so proud of you, Tim, for going to camp. And I'm praying that God's going to give you a good week. You know, God is working in your life, Tim. This is what my, this is what my grandmother's telling me. And all of a sudden, the tears start flowing. I'm looking at her and she goes, she goes, you know, um, I said, how did, how did this happen? Well, God worked this out. He worked this out for you, Tim. He worked this out. And I found out later, my grandmother, when she came to pick up my dad, said, Jim, what are you doing to your son? He wants to go to church camp. Don't you want your kids to go to church? Well, yeah. He's going to church camp. That's the best thing for him. And he goes, and look how he's busted his hind end for you. He's took care of everything. And don't you want him, don't you want him to be closer to God? And my dad, is, oh, I thought, was not very much of a Christian. Okay. And I'm just so glad my grandmother was bringing up God in the conversation. And she encourages me all the way to church camp. It was about a half hour, 45 minute drive. And she's telling me how God's going to work that week in my life. It changed my life. That's the power of praise. That's the power. Why? Because you're bringing God into what's going on when you praise God. And I just hope you think about that this morning. That how, you know, the Bible says, how good is a timely word? That our praise sometimes, at just the right time, the Bible says that this happened. And at just the right time, Christmas can happen again. The effect of Christmas, every time we stop and praise, we give God praise and glory. You know, it's funny, the angels brought good news to Mary. And it encouraged her. It says she treasured it in her heart, like I told you earlier. When the, when the shepherds came, she treasured that. When, when Anna and Simeon, she treasured that. She treasured that in her heart. It was such good news. When the wise men came, good news, good news. My son's going to do great things. My son's going to be this. And it's that good news that, that keeps encouraging her. It's so powerful. It keeps encouraging her. And she continues to be this kind of woman that listens to God and trusts God and praises God that has such a powerful effect, not only on her son Jesus, but also on James and Jude and the rest of her family. And it's my desire for you this morning that you be the most positive, praising type of Christian during this holiday season. Your kids need it. Your spouse needs it. Your friends need it. Your church need it. I need it. Don't you need it? Because there's always something to praise God for. And it does wonders for your family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I just thank you for this Christmas story. Father, I thank you for Mary and the example she sets. And Father, I know that, you know, sometimes we look at these people in the Bible and think, oh, I, there's no way I can be anything like them. Father, let's just trash that thought and realize they inspire us and they encourage us. We can be, they're no different than us. All they did was just trust you, to start to trust you, start believing you, start listening to you, and it began to change them. And Father, we pray that those listening, those watching this morning, that you will, your Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of Christmas that you brought will change us. Help us, help us to listen to you, Father. 
Are we in our word, Father, enough? Help us crack your Bible open more. Listen to you. Listen to your spirit. Listen to your word. Father, help us be Help us be the kind of people that will just choose to trust you. Father, we don't know how it works out a lot of times, but we'll trust you. Oh God, we praise you for being so powerful, so good to us. You know, my, my brother's always reminded me, God is so good, isn't he? My mom has always reminded me, God is so good, isn't he? And I always say, yes, help me be the kind of person that reminds people God is so good too. Let my wife know that, my my kids know that, and my grandkids know that, my friends know that, and their families know that. Help us all be that kind of person. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.